Welcome, 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 geeks and nerds, girls and boys, to a brand new edition of Geek to Me Radio. Tonight we'll be talking with local writer, filmmaker Vessa Roman about a brand new movie that she has out on streaming services called Doubting Tom. Later on we'll be talking with actor Sean Kanan about his upcoming role in Cobra Kai Season 5, his other various roles, his book that's out, and more. Stand by. We're talking TV, comics and movies, and video games. And if you don't know, Star Trek from Star Wars, we'll try to explain. There are 12 doctors for Hogwarts houses, one ring rolls and more. To be the greatest Pokemon master, you must catch them all. You must catch them all. If you're driving around the greater St. Louis area tonight, hearing us on the Big 550 KTRS, hello to you. Thank you for tuning in. If you are streaming us out there on the KTRS app or on the website, hello to you. No video tonight, unfortunately. Joey V, my executive producer, has a well-deserved night off. He's having a long weekend down at the lake, and he's uh, he's hopefully having some fun frolicking and staying out of the storms and uh, he'll be back next week. We'll have video once again then, but that's okay. Uh, for those of you who are hearing us after the fact in the podcast form, that makes no difference to you at all. So hello to you, and thank you for tuning in. Make sure if you have not already done so, please leave us a five-star review. That always helps us out in search engine optimization. And be sure to just visit the website, geektomeradio.com. If you haven't checked out an episode lately, maybe you missed uh, last week with our composer from The Sandman, David Buckley, talking to him, or one of our other various interviews. We always like having people throughout the tandems of geekdom, be it the composers, writers, directors, like my friend Vanessa, who's in tonight. Uh, so make sure you go to geektomeradio.com, check out the website, and check out some of the episodes you may have missed recently. That being said, uh, as I alluded to, I've got a guest in studio live. Not often do I have them live. They're usually on the video screen or over the phone, so this is always fun. Local writer, filmmaker, director, producer as well. Is that one of the hats you'd say? It Vanessa is. Vanessa Roman, how are you? I am well. How are you, James? Doing good. Thanks for coming in. It's always great to see you. It was, uh, I guess, about a month ago I saw you last when we were filming out in uh, DeSoto. DeSoto, yeah. So uh, now... We were talking about Doubting Tom. This was, I, I think, was, wasn't it six years ago that we did this? It doesn't seem like it was yeah. that long ago, but am I correct? Yeah. It okay. was, yeah, it was, yeah, it was a while ago. It was pre-pandemic. That's right, which is uh, weird to think about now. <laughs> you know, all the stuff that has gone on since then. But uh, you obviously have been working on other projects since then. So we just talked about the one we were filming in DeSoto, which I won't get into too much of because I'm not sure how much you can talk about. Well, you know, just a little. I mean, I'm filming a pilot where you're, we're in pre-production with it. Uh, we're not quite we're not quite done. So, but yeah, no, it's, it's about a group of misfit kids in the 1980s. So looking and forward to it. There's obviously, we, we talk to people all the time in the show, the writers, filmmakers, producers, directors, and it's always, well, this movie's coming out now. Yeah. Well, we made it eight years ago <laughs> or sometimes we filmed it during the pandemic, but we're just now are getting out because of all the stuff that 
had to go through hurdles and everything like that. So it's always a challenge. Sometimes people think, oh, this movie's coming out. It must have just been made. And that's not always the case. No, not always the case. Yeah. I mean, but we're we're excited it's happening now because people, yes, people have been asking about it. I'm sure. And oh, where, where can we see it? When can we see it? And I'm like, now it's there now. And it's great local stuff here because St. Louis has so much richness to it. I mean, the different places you shot like Blueberry Hill, you did the, uh, the the art museum and things like that. And these great places where you can shoot. Talk a little bit about, well, let's, all right, let's let's start the idea of this. It's it's a riff on the importance of being earnest yes. because you are a well-read and literary person. You like these kind of things. Talk a little bit about the genesis of the idea for Doubting Tom. So I uh, played darts at Blueberry Hill. And um, during the course of darts, you know, all kinds of stories came up and I I was still um, I was still at Webster University in film school. And, you know, so I was thinking about, you know, a romance story because there's a lot of interesting um, stories. I was playing with the idea of who you are at Dart League and who you are in your in your like real life, so to speak, you know. Um, and because I, you know, I was like, people, people have different personalities in different places. So I was playing with that idea. So I started with the idea of a romance. I wanted to begin with a breakup and, um, follow the trajectory of that breakup. And as I was writing it, the importance of, uh, being earnest popped it. it basically, I just, I think of it as Oscar Wilde sat on my shoulder and said, Hey, remember me? <laughs> And that's just kind of where you kind of rolled it from there. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. And once I realized I was being heavily influenced by this, I was just like, you know, what would be really fun is to to incorporate all of this of Dart League into the importance of being earnest and do a real update of it. Because I don't think um, a modern update has been done of it. Not that I can think of, no, because we always get different Shakespearean ones that are, mm-hmm. that are updated and redone and everything like that. Great fun. But very rarely do we find some of these other... I mean, I'm, Pride and Prejudice, Little Women. But even that, there are a lot of times those are set in the times in which it was originally written. We don't get a lot of modern day updates as well. Yeah. Which with all the remakes in Hollywood, you would think it'd be begging for some of these. To, <laughs> yeah. To and these up. are, yeah, these are great stories and um, they should be retold in, in fresh ways. And, um, you know, uh, it, this is, this is what Shakespeare was doing in his time. He was mm-hmm. retelling stories. So. Right. And casting in this, you've got a lot of local people from St. Louis, obviously, because you you know a lot of people in St. Louis. You know a lot of actors and everything like that. The leads for this, you 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 got from. I, I remember you talked about casting these people. You got a lot of video um, auditions. Yes, we, before it was cool to be doing video auditions. Yeah. Really. Um, talk a little bit about casting your leads for this one. So, um, I employed Joni Tackett, who is a local Brilliant. casting director. Yes. Yeah, she's wonderful. And um, actually, um, she knew the lead, the the woman who played the lead, Amy Holland Pinnell. She knew her. And when she read the script, she said, I really think you should consider this actress. She's perfect. I looked at her reel and almost immediately I was like, this is her. This is she. And then we kind of had to sit on it for a while. Mm. And then, you know, because. And then um, Joni finally, um, you know, sent out the audition request. I was just like, what if she's not free? What if she's doing this? What, you know, I was really, and I auditioned quite a few actresses for it just, just in case, but I'm telling Amy, Amy read the part and she was just, she was just Gwen immediately. And her now, I think you said they're married in real life who played her boyfriend at the time in the movie, Brandon Davis. That's kind of cool that they, they didn't meet on the set. They knew each other previously. They were yeah. already dating, if I remember correctly. They were. Okay. They were. were married. 
Yeah, they are married now, which is, is <laughs> it's great fun. It's a love story and a love story. But I didn't actually know this was her boyfriend who was auditioning. He auditioned for two parts. He auditioned for um, the lead male and then he auditioned for uh, the sidekick kind of bad boy part. And um, he did such a great job that um, I didn't know where to cast him. And uh, so I kind of, you know, I looked at Joni and I was just like, well, let me just call him back for both roles and have him read, read for callbacks. And she said, oh, that's that's Amy's boyfriend. I said, no way. (laughs) (laughs) So she kind of snuck it in under the under the radar. I mean, but but yeah, but obviously when I read them together, they had such great chemistry. And it it kind of uh, follows, like I said, the story of the importance of being earnest. For for those of you uh, who don't know, obviously, this is a story about a man who pretends to be somebody else when he's in the country versus when he's in the city. And he kind of le- leads this double life. Yes. Um, and this kind of takes that same riff with a bit of a twist on it. I don't want to. It's hard to describe the movie without spoiling aspects of it, though, especially the way you've done the movie. I don't want to ruin this for anybody. Yeah, but it, it's fun. It's just it's like that idea. It's it's mixed up identities. It's right. like when you have you know so, um, so the the main character Tom he's he is Tom at Dart League, and he is Frank at work and in in his other life. And when his friend finds out that he's Tom, and Tom is sort of this legendary character. He has this whole blog. He has his whole online life. He has his whole, he's sort of larger than life. And everyone that comes in contact with this Tom, um, or reads about him is just like, wow, he's so extraordinary. And, you know, and so he's got this great big following. So when his friend finds out about it, he's like, oh, you know, I'm just going to become Tom now. And so all of these, all of these things happen when there's, now there's two Toms. Not a lot of online blogs during Oscar Wilde's time, though. So that's another modern twist. <laughs> that is true. Like, yeah, in that, in that, you know, I had updated it from from um, a journal. And with the different places, obviously being filmed in St. Louis, Blueberry Hill, uh, parts of it were filmed. But then it was also, I know you guys created a stage to be a stand-in for Blueberry Hill as well. We did. Yeah, uh, Blueberry Hill was great, and Joe Edwards was fantastic, and he he did let us some. Um, um, shoot a lot in the restaurant, but you know, as as all of you know, Blueberry Blueberry Hill has a lot of open hours. So, um, in order to accommodate a film set, what I did was I went down to the Stratford Inn. They have this beautiful ballroom, which they let me use, and I built a set in the ballroom to stand in for the bar at Blueberry Hill, which is very cool. I mean, I walked into that thing and it was like, whoa! It's, it's like a regular soundstage. You had the dartboards all set up and everything was, but then you go around the side and it's kind of like one of those things when you see the the set of like full house you walk around the back. Oh, it's just a bunch of two by fours. Probably it was, it was, it's kind of odd to see that in real life though, where you walk onto the set and it's like, it's blueberry Hill dart room here on the backside. It's a ballroom. It's Stratford Inn. It was very neat. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I really had to convince people to do this. I was just like, no, it's totally going to work, but I was marrying the world of theater and film and I was like, come on, guys, people do this all the time. They're like, well, can't you just find a location? And I was just like, no, this is going to be really cool. Let's do it. And then once we did it, they were just like, oh, this is really cool. And I was like, uh, uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Bunch of naysayers. Don't listen to the naysayers. Yeah. So this, the film from beginning of uh, the writing phase to the casting to when it was finally wrapped, obviously production just now got it distributed and everything like that. But how long did the total project take for you uh, from editing and everything? Oh, years. Yeah, you um, I mean, you mean, are you, you're counting from me writing it? Yeah, from you, from oh you my starting gosh. writing it. To actual, well, I mean, if you've been writing it for a couple of years prior, but then you, you started casting, it's like, okay, boom, we're, we're rolling with it now. 
So um, maybe from casting on would be better. Okay, so um, from the time I cast it until the time it was finished was about two and a half years. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And then obviously wrapped in 2016, uh, post-production editing, how long was that Yeah, um, it was, uh, it took about, okay, so the post, post-production post was a good couple of years. Hmm. Um, I had um, uh, the score written by Harry Manfredini, who... Um, his uh, wonderful claim to fame is that he um, wrote the music for Friday the 13th. And I know that seems like an odd <laughs> kind of mix, but I met Harry in 2010 at a um, convention called Contamination. Oh, yeah. It was here in Westport, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. yeah. And um, it was, um, yeah, yeah, they have, have had it here. And they, uh, so, um, I actually met him, didn't know who he was, met him in the hallway, um, because I had written a commercial for the convention. Hmm. And, um, so they gave me tickets and I was just like, yeah, this is great. Cause I love conventions. And, uh, so there we were in, in the hallway and we just started joking around. I don't know why. I think we met in an elevator and, um, Harry Manfredini is so funny. And so we just got to talking. And the thing is, is I was just finishing up a horror film. Mm -hmm. And I was just looking for music. And then he was like, why don't you ask me? And I was like, oh, that's really funny. <laughs> I was like, because I have low budget money and you obviously like, you know, probably charge more than that. And um, he was just like, oh, I don't know, Vanessa, why don't you try me? So um, we had this um, we had this long conversation about music. And, and again, everybody laughed at me. They're like, you're not going to get Harry Manfredini to do mm. music for your movie. And I was like, and I always take that as a watch me. Right. So, um, but what he ended up doing is ended, ended up giving me music that, um, it was sort of like recycled music, music that he had written for other projects that hadn't gotten used. Oh, okay. So, um, I managed to use really a lot of it on, um, my, my horror film. And it was a short horror film that I had done in, in, uh, 2010. So we just became friends after that. And um, so fast forward really a couple of years after that, um, I was having lunch with um, Harry in Los Angeles and he read uh, Doubting Tom. And he said, hey, when you're done with this, I want to do the music for it. Oh, wow. And I was like, really? But it's it's like it's a rom-com. He's like, I love rom-coms. I <laughs> love doing music for rom-coms because I don't get attention for it he said but i do this all the time and i was like done you know i mean you don't say no to that right no exactly if someone comes along especially at that level of talent and says let me do the music for you yeah he's great and again if you're if you're listening if you've got a question or anything like that you can certainly give us a uh, text on the ktrs text lines at 84126 uh we're chatting with local writer filmmaker producer and uh, i said director didn't i director yep. writer producer all those things vanessa roman about her film doubting tom which is available now on streaming i know it's on amazon prime because i already looked it up um uh, any streaming platform or certain ones or right now it is on amazon and vimeo amazon. and it's going to come out on itunes and google play anytime now they're like working with the 4K version and, and they've been a little slower about it, but it's it's supposed to be anytime now. Very cool. Uh, we are going to talk. You're OK to stick with me for another segment or two? Sure. All right. We are talking all things movies uh, here on geek to me Radio. I'm your host, James Enstall. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. This is Eric Goins. 
the gambler from DC Star Girl, and you're listening to Geek to Me Radio. You got to know when to hold, know when to fold up. We are back. Geek to Me Radio, Eric Goins, of the gambler from Stargirl, making its season three premiere August 31st. It's now available if you were checking out on the CW or I believe HBO Max. It's also streaming there uh, if you want to check out Eric Goins making his comeback as the gambler in season three of Stargirl. I want to make sure we tell you about our official movie sponsor, Marcus Theaters. MarcusTheaters.com is the website. Locations all over the place, Illinois, Iowa, Minnesota, Missouri, Nebraska, North Dakota, Ohio, Wisconsin, or their affiliates, Movie Tavern in Arkansas, Colorado, Georgia, Kentucky, Louisiana, New York, Pennsylvania, Texas, Virginia, and Wisconsin. If you want to see a movie in the best possible surroundings, you're going to want to go see it at a Marcus Theaters or a Movie Tavern. $5 Family Fun Series, September 10th through the 12th. You can check out movies like... Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Bad Guys, The Last Unicorn, which makes me cry from when I was a little kid in the 80s. Uh, great song, too, for that. Pause of Fury, more modern movies like that. Sonic 2 and others. Never-ending story. Again, a sad movie from the 80s. It might be a theme there as well. Labor Day weekend, Friday of this week through Monday. Tomorrow, you can get hot dogs for $2.50 at uh, your Marcus Theaters or Movie Tavern. Go check out a movie. If you have not already joined their magical movie rewards program, you get points every time you see a movie. Every time you buy concessions, you get points to where you can use those for future movies and future concessions. Download the app on your smartphone. I was about to pull it up, but I don't have a camera with me today, so you don't care. Uh, if you're driving down 270, look to your left. I'm holding up my phone. You can see the Marcus Theaters app. If you're out and about, you can use the app to find the location closest to you. Even order your concessions right there through the app. Have them ready and waiting for you at the theater of your choice for a more contactless experience. Great time to see movies, and there are a lot of great movies out to be seen. So make sure you do it in the best possible surroundings. Marcus Theaters, that website again, MarcusTheaters.com, for the best movie-going experience in the galaxy. Uh, We did have Eric Goins coming back uh, from that commercial break. Related to, it's one of those things, it's uh, Five Degrees of Vanessa Roman was the game we're playing tonight. Yeah, he's my nephew-in-law. See, look at that. And it's, that's how I was able, because you, you said, hey, you, you watched Stargirl? I said, oh, yeah, of course. That's my nephew is the gambler. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. So that's one of the reasons we were able to get Eric Goins on the show. Uh, and hopefully we're just chatting off air that we might be, might be able to get him back here before uh, season three is over to talk about his enlarged role. He's got a little bit more of a role to play this season, too, I understand. Yeah, he's rocking it. Very cool. And he's also, I guess, now going to be in a, uh, the pilot, I'm not going to say a TV series, but the pilot you shot, we were just, again, chatting off air. Eric was in a scene that I was not in for this pilot that you just got done shooting. So let's say this pilot gets picked up. Is it something you're going to be shooting it in DeSoto or how will that work? You know, um, that's all kind of up in the air right now. So yeah. we'll see. But yeah, no, um, we, we shot at the Melba Theater in DeSoto and it's just a beautiful theater. And um, the Melba has been around, I don't know, you know, I mean, decades it, since, I don't know, the 1930s, I think. I would, yeah. Yeah. And um, such a, it's family owned, um, beautiful theater. Uh, just so, you know, be, because I was doing a, a, a scene in the past, uh, I needed something that was, you know, that didn't look modern. And mm. let me tell you, Marcus Theaters is definitely the Cadillac of movie theaters. Mm. But no if, idea. yeah, great. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> I love watching movies there, but I couldn't shoot anything there because they weren't around in the 1980s. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I think we had Werenbergs here in the 1980s, but uh, Marcus has come in and now renovated all those and brought them up to speed. 
They're beautiful. Uh, yeah. Uh, again, this isn't an extended commercial for Marcus by any means, but very nice to uh, hear we you say them. kind words about them as well. Yes, Marcus Theaters is fantastic. Um, so with Downing Tom, now you've got, this is out on streaming service. We just talked as of August 28th, I believe is the date. Uh, August 26th it came out, 26th, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And this is, uh, like I said, you've got a lot of great town because you know a lot, a lot of great people. And so you had a lot of people in this. Um, we've got uh, uh, now all the names are escaping me. Oh, facts so of life. I can't. Julie. Julie Pikarski. Thank you. Yeah. I was like, I, was like, I know I, I can. I can picture her face, and I'm I'm glad I got out Julie. But yeah, she was. She's in this as well. Yeah, Julie Pikarski, who was. Um, she was in the Mickey Mouse Club. Yes. And um, she was also in the first couple seasons of The Facts of Life. Um, she's fabulous. Um, she was uh, born and raised in St. Louis. Went out to. You know, L.A. when she was a she was a teen and um, she's fantastic. Such a sweetheart. Uh, so what's great is I was able to cast these um, people who were like St. Louis natives. But, you know, they had been out in the world doing amazing things. The, the other person I think you're thinking of is Greg Sporlater. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Who I, I love talking to him because he was in one of my favorite movies, The Rock. Yeah. He was he was one of the bad guys opposite Tony Todd. Uh, they were the two kind of rogue captains who worked under Ed Harris. And so I was, I was bugging Greg the whole time. I'm like, so what was Sean Connery like? How oh. was, how's working with Sean Connery? He had great, he was a very super nice guy, Greg. Uh, just tell me all sorts of like, indulge me and humored me and told me his stories about working with Sean Connery and working with Ed Harris and everything like that, Nicolas Cage. But he was super nice guy and very talented too. Very talented. Yeah, I know. And it's so funny because um, Greg has sort of, a, he, he's done all kinds of things. He, he did, he did a guest spot on on Friends a long time ago. And um, yeah, you'll have to catch that. It's, it's, it's really great. Um, and, uh, but he has, um, really leaned into his career as a bad guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a, he's a bad guy in so many things. He's bad guy. In, oh, such a bad guy in true blood. Mm-hmm. And oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 So here I cast him as this sweet, loving, <laughs> like, you know, understanding friend, you know, really cool friend and, you know, really cool boyfriend and all of this. And, you know, he's, he's sort of the, the logic and the, the kind hearted, uh, uh, guy at the bar and um you know i mean everybody was just like are, are you are you crazy but greg's a bad guy i was like come on man greg is but greg was this is my nod to joe edwards mm. i named the character joe um you know i sort of like he's he's not joe edwards but he's sort of my appreciation of joe edwards yeah. as the you know yeah a, uh, what do you call it uh, homage yes it's my homage to joe edwards yeah and with this also, one of your other leads, Brandon Daniel, Brian Daniel Porter, who I yeah. work with uh, quite a bit in this one. So funny. So funny. He's another California native, if I'm not mistaken, right? He He's actually from Minnesota. Minnesota, okay. Yeah, he was in Dear White People. Okay. Oh, I haven't, I haven't seen that. Yeah. But now, all right, I'll definitely check it out now. That in the movie, not the series. Okay. The movie. Okay. Um, and um, yeah, no, and he plays this just total um, elitist jerk and uh uh he he's so good but he's just got such a natural talent for humor um i would if i waited too long to call cut brian was going to say something hilarious <laughs> and a lot of it made it into the film just but i was just like oh my god i didn't know you were going to do that i'm trying not to i'm just like trying not to laugh and ruin the take but yeah he's so naturally funny and there was one thing where we looked at him we're like um Okay, I just really feel like we need a button on this. We need something here. You know, I'd like to have something. And I was just like, you know, go ahead, Brian. Do your magic. 
And he just would come up with the funniest lines. So was I, I love that a I love a that you're that kind of a director who's not so married to the script that's like nope this is how the scene's written this is how we're going to perform it because a lot of times I feel that spontaneity that's where some of the best little moments like you always see those behind the scene when you're watching like you mentioned Friends some of the stuff that they'd come up with spontaneously would actually make it in because it's like you know what that's actually a better line the writers would sit down and they'd sit on the side of the, uh, the set and they'd rewrite some stuff but I think that's one of the things that kind of it's that spark of creativity that happens in the moment that kind of really makes some scenes pop and that's that's the fact that he had that uh Zhe Kwa was a great addition to the film obviously every time every time and you know I love that because you know I'm an actor myself and um yeah no I mean I love giving my actors an opportunity to explore and it's my script. I can change it. Right, exactly. That's one of the, uh, uh, I guess, perks of being both the director and the writer and everything else. On the movie. It is. Well, you know, <laughs> it does. It gives me a freedom because then I, you know, when I'm directing somebody else's work, um, I feel a responsibility to, you know, um, stay with the work. But this is an original piece, so I have a little bit more freedom to mm-hmm. it. So I definitely respect the the work of, you know, I mean, obviously, if I'm, you know, directing a Shakespeare play. I'm not going to ad lib. But um but on this I was just like have freedom, have fun, have you know, you know, have that. And so I would, I would wait a little while and he came up with some zingers. (laughs) So and you know, I I love that. It's a comedy. That's what we're supposed to do. I've ad libbed in a Shakespeare play once or twice myself, but I'll I'll we'll say that for another time. Um Shakespeare. Being the fact that the first time I met you was actually doing theater. Um you've got that theater sensibility. Does that how does that translate to film? Like you obviously it's a slightly different aspect directing a play that you're having on a stage versus a film, but there's a lot of the same sensibilities. Talk a little bit about what you bring from your theater background to directing a film. Oh, I love theater. It's just my first love. Um, and you know, in, in film too, but I think, uh, one of the things that theater is just such a training ground for directing because you have the, the luxury of time sure. that yeah, you yeah, yeah. don't have. Um, in that, so I think, what I what I um, really learned from theater was the language of actors. So when I'm directing um, a film scene, I need to help the actor, you know, get to really kind of bring out their best self, um, you know, and navigate that very quickly in a scene. So I want to. Sp- that's what theater taught me is to speak the language of actors. And with. <sighs> I want. I don't want to say there's more room for improv in a movie or television series than there is in a theater theatrical production. That's not always necessarily the case. Um, if you're doing an original piece, like first run theater, when you and I met, that's something that again the writer of the play is right there on hand. You can actually ask him right. when you're doing something. When you're doing the importance of being earnest in a stage play, you can't say, "Hey, Oscar, was that uh, is it okay if we read this a little bit different?" So there's a. Uh, would you do you find it personally to be more freeing when you're directing a TV sh- uh, show or a movie versus a play? Um, I don't, I don't think I think of it like sort of separate in that way. It's just, it's like what I'm into. I'm very monogamous with what I'm into. So if I'm, if I'm doing a theatrical production, I'm just all in right. that mode or, you know, so, um, you know, what is this? I'm, I'm having a romance of whatever I'm, whatever I'm working on. Uh, so I think, um, let me see. Can you can you clarify that question a little, little bit more so I can? Yeah, just I, I was wondering, is it is it more do you find there being more freedom, I, I guess, creatively 
when you're working on a film or a TV project versus when you're working directing a uh, stage play or a straight play? Actually, I think it's the opposite. Okay. Um, I, I have s- such time constraints in film. Okay. I you know, I'm that. like, we got to make our day. We got to make this, you know, we got to get all of this done. So um, in theater, we actually have more room to explore, mm-hmm. more room to do things over, more room to really kind of like, um, you know, find the nuances in there. And uh, again, if you're listening, we're talking with Vanessa Roman all about the brand new. Well, I say br- I keep saying brand new because it's out now. It's brand new. It is brand new. It's it's new to you. That's what that, that's what I'll say. Uh, the NBC used to have that moniker. If you haven't seen it yet, it's new to you. New movie out on streaming. Check it out on Amazon and Vimeo called Doubting Tom. You'll see a lot of St. Louis locations for those of you who are in St. Louis. Filming on location here in St. Louis. Uh, obviously, this is something that's done all the time in Atlanta and you know Vancouver. With St. Louis, obviously, they're not used to a lot of film shoots coming through here. So what were some of the challenges about filming this locally here in town that you had to overcome or that you kind of encountered, I guess? Um, actually, people were great. It's great to I, I think it's an advantage to shoot in the Midwest as opposed to other places because um, people are excited to have you. They don't have this every day. You know, I, I think in, in Los Angeles, they're kind of jaded. They're like, ugh, a movie shoot. Great you know, here they're like up on the 305. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But now they're they're You know, um, you're coming into um, their place. They're excited to have you. They're watching everything that's happening there. Um, you know, so so I love that whenever, you know, I go in and I was just like, hey, we would love to shoot a scene here. But I try to be really honest with people about what it's going to entail. Mm-hmm. It's going to take a while. It's going to take a long time. Um, this is not going to be something that's going to happen fast. Um we're going to do a lot of takes. And they were great. I did a lot of locations in the Loop. Mm-hmm. And um, I did Loop Lux Salon. Um, I did, um, yeah, there's a, there was a clothing store called Soul and Blues. It's not there anymore, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But um, they were great. Um, let us say, we, we shot at a restaurant called Melt uh, down on Cherokee. They're not there anymore either. I know. Yeah. I know. But it's one of they Victims of the pandemic, I guess, most of these places, like a lot of places were. Um, I think Melt closed down before the pandemic. Oh, okay. So yeah, no, the owners, they moved to Alabama. So, oh, well, all right, yeah. Well. So, you know, so that was, that was that, but, um, there was just, but what was cool is, you know, I got in a lot of like, um, little, um, like a privately owned family owned, you know, they, they weren't chains. So yeah, they had, yeah, yeah. yeah, they had a really interesting look, um, like little different look. And I was able to sort of like, you know, throw some business to some, uh, you know, some people in the loop because the loop is such a really interesting area. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's block by block. You'll see differences in the businesses and in uh, the, all the, all the different aspects of that area. That's a very unique area. That's again, it's unique to St. Louis. Cause I, there's a lot of places you can go to St. Louis. People have talked about that before and you can go to the Hill, which is different from the loop, which is different from, you know, town and country. It's like, we've got almost an entire world right here in St. Louis. So it, it, I wish more places would, or more projects would shoot here. Uh, just because we've got so much to offer, I think. We need tax credits. Yeah. So, uh, Governor, if you're listening, <laughs> yeah. uh, we need some tax credits, please. Look how well Atlanta's doing. I'm just yep. going to say. There are a lot of, it seems like everything, because we used to think of New York and L.A. as the hotspots. Now it's Atlanta and British Columbia, Vancouver. Absolutely. Yeah. So just the tag between the tax credits. And, again, I think the amount of different places that stand in for other places. Yeah. And, and you know, St. Louis has a lot to offer, you know. And uh, we love film. We've got a really good community here. And uh, we'd love to work. Yeah. And so if uh, if you're listening and you uh, have a say in that at all, make sure you vote with your uh, for your for the projects you want to see like that that ha- would happen 
maybe a governor who's more amenable to those kind of things. Friendly, yes. I'm not, uh, not that we do politics on this show, obviously. But I'm just saying from, from a purely selfish standpoint, if I'd like more movie projects to be shot here in St. Louis, darn it. I would, and I would like to ca- cast uh, James Enstall more often. Well, see, I'd love to be cast because I, you know, I, I enjoy working too. That's one of the, uh, that's one of the great things about doing these projects. And for some reason, you're a glutton for punishment because you always seem to have me in your, uh, in your projects. You are. You're like, <laughs> you're like on speed dial. I'm right. like, oh, I have this part for James. I need a real jerk in this scene. So, James, are you busy? We just need to come in and shoot. <laughs> that's true. That last one, I yeah, that's how I sold that last one. I was like, hey, James. Do you like to play a real jerk? Was Greg not available? Because he's normally the bad guy. I know, right? <laughs> I know. I know. But he couldn't hack it in St. Louis. He had to move back to L.A. Well, that's it happens to the best of us. I know. And with this movie, we talked about the music. We talked about the uh, the, the people who worked on people both from California and locally and everything like that. When you finally got this done... And it's you. You see it on like we saw. We talked about we had a screening at the Tivoli mm-hmm. uh, on the big screen. Now you get to see it on Amazon. That's got to make you as a creative person just feel so giddy to see this is something that I wrote, that I directed, that I made, and here it is for everyone to watch now on Amazon. You couldn't do that five, ten years ago. Have it streaming in household, just boom. It's so exciting. Yeah, I mean, it's a whole, it's a whole different world. I mean, I think you know, it's just like. Um, you know, the best you could hold for is to be at Blockbuster, you know, now it's just it's like, um, yeah, no, this is super exciting. Yeah. I'm, I, sometimes I'll, I'll just like look it up <laughs> so I can, so I can look at, look at the poster and I'm going to be like, wow, this is, this is real. Well, I know my mom's probably listening and my mom always asks whenever she knows I'm doing a project, she goes, can I get a copy of that on VHS? I'm like, no one does VHS. No. So, yeah, I'll, I'm, you're hearing it from the director, mom. It's not available on VHS. It's not I'm available. sorry. No. We'll, we'll set you up on streaming. <laughs> we will set you up on streaming, but um, uh, we are hoping actually to have a DVD release. Oh, cool. Yeah. All right. And that'll be available for uh, through probably through Amazon as well, or is it going to be uh, a website? Is, and that's what I should ask you. Is there a website that people can learn more about the movie and visit the movie and things like that at all? Or? So um, we're still working on the website, okay. but um, I have an Inspired Productions Facebook page, and you should go there, and I post um, I post what's upcoming and uh, where it's showing and, and uh, press and information inspired productions all in, one word on facebook uh no in two words inspired productions inspired okay productions yep. okay well uh if you're listening to this after the fact if you scroll on to the bottom of the page i'll have joey put a link in the sh- in the show notes you can click on that and it'll take you right to the facebook page um for other places if people want to keep up with you online uh your own website are you active on social media like instagram and uh, twitter or anything like that at all i am on instagram i am on twitter um i'm on uh twitter is inspired vanessa and it's V Roman on um, Instagram. And you've got, obviously, this is out. It's streaming. We talked about the pilot that you shot. You're working on still, obviously. Yep. What other, do you have any other projects? Or, I mean, it sounds like that's taken up a lot of time working on the, a pilot that you're getting launched off the ground. So I, are, is there anything else that's kind of percolating on the stove? Well, I've always got things percolating. But, um, yeah, I mean, uh, that's just sort of consuming me right now is mm-hmm. the, it, you know, is uh, we're, we're getting the pilot. There's there's another short film that I'm kind of like got in the works mm-hmm. that's that's uh, in there. Um, it's very different. It's a drama. It's about a family dealing with um, a parent who has Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. And... Um, um, so, you know, we're looking at that. I'm kind of like, um, uh, picking somebody down the line. I'm probably going to shoot that in Atlanta. That's what we're, we're sort of looking at. So. And with a project like that, if you know, you're shooting in Atlanta, do you already have like 
like location? Do you want locations that like these are the places I want to shoot, or is it being shot in Atlanta because the production house that you're working with is there? How does that kind of come about and work? So um, I collaborated with um, an actor and director named David Con- David Conley um, a few years ago. He was in um, a horror film of of mine, and um, he he's from St. Louis, and he lives in Atlanta now. And I just, I feel that this is just a good project to take down with them. I have a lot of family in Atlanta. And um, this is um, Eric. Oh, yeah. Eric, yeah. Eric and his wife um, um, live in uh, Atlanta. And um, so um, this was something um, I wanted to take down there. It, 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 it felt right because I want to collaborate with David Conley on it. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of like um, the move and push. And um, his uh, his wife is also an actress, Sharon Conley. And she's, she's been in... All kinds of crazy stuff. Um, the blind side and, uh, oh, okay. yeah, I mean, um, some big, big stuff. So, but yeah, no, he's just a, he's just a wonderful collaborator. And, um, so I was interested in working with him. So that's, that's why the push there. And I love the fact too, if you, if those of you who, uh, if you've not yet watched Doubting Tom, there's the little eighties nods that you put in, uh, that are, they're so fun to, to catch up, like pick up on those. And I think when the line was delivered, I was like, ah, and the person delivering the line hadn't seen the movie. She'd not yet seen Back to the Future. No, they're, <laughs> that was so funny. No, I had to explain these references to the actors. Yeah, it was super funny. Yeah, no, I've got a nod to Back to the Future. I've also got a nod to Ghostbusters. I think which one that was. It's in there. You okay, were... I'm gonna, don't tell me because that'll be fun for me to watch now. Because I, I, I think I was in the scene when you she were... made the, ghost, the, uh, the Back to the Future reference. You, you, I think you were in both scenes. Was I? Yeah. Well, you, uh... it may, it wasn't your line, so it may not, it may have been shot separately. So. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. But I'll yeah, pick that one up too. Ghost yeah, <laughs> you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to look for that. Yeah, I know. But yeah, no, I had to explain the reference, and I was just like, well, hopefully the audience look at it. <laughs> right. I'm sure. Yeah. The the actors were younger than I am, so who had to deliver the line? So they were younger. Yeah. I mean, but you know, I mean, we've got this uh, maybe with Afterlife. You've seen Afterlife? Oh yes, yes, yes. Yeah. It's really good. Race. Yeah. It's yeah. brilliant. Yeah. No, no, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Oh, I'm sorry. But yes. Afterlife, also Ricky Gervais, yes. I thought you meant, yeah, I was thinking the series as soon as you said Afterlife. So good. Yes. Oh, my gosh. If you haven't seen, again, not that we're plugging uh, Ricky Gervais shows all of a sudden, but yeah, if you haven't seen Afterlife yet, Ricky Gervais, three seasons, very quick, absolutely brilliant. Uh, you'll be laughing one minute and then crying the next, and that's all I'll say as we turn things back to talking about Doubting Tom. Oh, yeah, but she's um, so good. So yeah. it, was a, it was a Ghostbusters Afterlife reference. Ghost, well, the, no, the I'm just saying that Ghostbusters Afterlife is out, so so Ghostbusters references should, you know, come on. People. I'm tracking now. It's come, late. Come I've get. been up since like 8 o'clock this morning. It's been awful. Um, but yeah, there's, it's a lot, of, and those little things too are fun to watch in the film. So if you're a film buff, you'll appreciate this film, Doubting Tom. If you're a literary fan, you'll see the through line from The Importance of Being Earnest, and you'll enjoy this film. If you're a local St. Louis person, you'll be like, oh my gosh, they shot that here. You'll enjoy this film. And uh, there's you know, a dozen different reasons to enjoy this film. So if you get the chance, like we said, it's on Amazon and Vimeo as of August 26th. So you can check it out there. And then you said it's coming to Google Play and iTunes soon. Soon, yeah. Yeah, it should be within the next week or so. Very cool. Um, it's always great to talk to you, uh, and we've uh, we'll put a link, like I said, to your Facebook page in the show notes. So if you're listening, scroll down; you'll see it there. And we will look forward with bated breath to see what these other projects portend once they're released. Wonderful. Thank you so much for being on, Vanessa Roman. I appreciate your time. Thank you. When we're going to take another quick commercial break, we're going to come right back chatting with Sean Kanan, talking about his role in. 
the upcoming season of Cobra Kai, his work on soap operas, and more. Stand by. This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. You're listening to Geek to Me Radio. We are back. I want to make sure we tell you about our official comic book sponsor, Bugs Comics and Games. Maybe you are seeing all these new Marvel movies and TV series. You're watching She-Hulk. You're watching Ms. Marvel. And you're like, man, what are the, this is based on a comic book. What's it about? So you're new to this and you want to delve into it. Maybe you're a longtime fan. Maybe you have. You still own the John Byrne run of She-Hulk from the 1980s into the early 90s. And you're like, oh, you know, I, I, re- I remember this series. This was great. Or you, and you kind of want to see what's going on now in the current comic books with She-Hulk. Or whatever it is. Whatever age you're at. Whatever entry level you're trying to get into. Go see Larry and Tim out at Bugs Comics and Games. They're on Brian Road in O'Fallon. You can easily access them from Highway 70 or from the page extension. And they're always buying comic books. Every time you go out there, they'll have something new. They've got new comic books right off the shelf that are the brand new issues of Batman, She-Hulk, independent titles from uh, all the other lines like uh, Boom and Dynamite and Valiant Comics. And if you're wanting something and he doesn't have it, he'll order it for you. Just say, hey, I'd like to add this to my pull list. And let me tell you about the pull list. With gas prices, with the economy, everyone's looking to save money. Join the Avengers Club at Bugs Comics. You can start saving money on your hobby, you start saving money on the new comics, on the back issues, on the supplies, on the games, on all the, the supplies he has and things like that. So save some money. That way you don't don't give up on your hobby. Save some money, and that way you're, you, know, you can pay for the extra gas and everything like that. But he's got a lot of great stuff. And if you don't know what you want, talking to Larry is like having your own personal comics concierge. He will tell you, okay, well, what do you what character do you like? You like Spider-Man? Okay, cool. Here's these comics that we have in our, you know, Three for five dollar box. A lot of great Spider-Man issues from the nineties. You want something a little more modern? Here's the brand new issue that John Romita and Zeb Wells are doing on Spider-Man. He will tell you exactly what you need, point you in the right direction, and it's great to have someone with that kind of knowledge lead you into the comic books. Maybe your local comic book shop is shut down. Bugs is open for business and ready to help you expand your collection. Check them out on the website, bugscomicsandgames.com, Facebook.com. Slash Bugs Comics and Games. Give their Facebook page a like. I know they would appreciate that very much. You just heard Kevin Conroy bringing us back. Tomorrow is the 30th anniversary of Batman the Animated Series. September 5th, 1992. And starting next week, we're devoting the rest of September to celebrating Batman the Animated Series. We're going to have interviews with director Dan Reba, artist Rick Burchett, the voice of Ingrid Ulia, who voiced Renee Montoya. And we're going to have interviews with Kevin Conroy and the voice casting person, Andre Romano. We'll have all that for you, so make sure you stay tuned to geek to me Radio for the rest of the month. Celebrate Batman the Animated Series. With that, we're going to get to my next interview. Mr. Sean Kane at TerrificCon was kind enough to give me an interview. We talked a little bit about Cobra Kai and how he hadn't been in the series yet. We talked a little bit about his work in soap operas. We talked about his book and all the other stuff he does. This guy, literally, I don't know when he has time to sleep, but he had a chance to talk to us about it. Here's that interview right now. Talking with Sean Kanan, actor, writer, baseball card collector, <laughs> oh uh, philanthropist, all the stuff. You've got like a lot of different hats you wear. Did you actually go on my IMDb and you saw that it said baseball card collector and that's where you got that from, wasn't it? Wikipedia, actually. Uh, Wikipedia still has that. <laughs> do, um, do you not collect I, them anymore? Or do you? Well, I, I, I did when I was a, a kid. Oh. Uh, not so much anymore at all, but sure. Um, <laughs> let's go with that. Uh, <laughs> I'll scratch that off. That we'll, we won't talk about that anymore. It caught me by surprise there. 
Was there a question? I didn't. No, I'm, I'm just saying. I saying you got. You wear a lot of hats. You do a lot of stuff. I don't I know do. when you sleep. I do. You know, I love to stay busy. Um, I love to do different things. I think. I think they satisfy sort of different creative passions that I have. Um, you know, I love acting. I, I love writing. I'm impassioned with my. Uh, uh, my new book that I'm working on, which is called Way of the Cobra, Welcome to the Kumite. Hmm. It's a, uh, a follow-up to Way of the Cobra. And, um, you know, I, I, I love to keep busy. I mean, I think that's the secret to staying relevant, staying vital, is, you know, staying busy. And you mentioned uh, Way of the Cobra. You've got your book out. Uh, Cobra Kai, huge success. Mm -hmm. As far as I remember, you're the only person from the trilogy who hasn't come back into the series yet. Is that is that something they're saving for the a big reveal? I, can you say anything? I can neither confirm nor deny. All, all I right. can say, I can just tell you that the show comes out September 9th, and uh, it's going to be very exciting. So, have you kept up with the series, like from the start? Were you immediately like, I've got to check this out, see I, what they're doing? I do. I'm a fan of the show. I think it's terrific. I really do. I think it's. Um, Amazing how they kind of took this concept and turned it on its head that possibly, you know, Daniel was the bully and Johnny right. was the, the victim. Uh, the comic sensibilities that the show has uh, is fantastic. And I think it's interesting to see these characters that are 30-some years older and are now more multidimensional characters than they were in the original films. And I assure you this isn't going to be just a Cobra Kai Karate Kid interview, but I do want to ask... I remember watching you in that movie. You terrified me. That that intense look in your eyes. Where do you go to as an actor in your headspace for that kind of energy? Well, you know, first of all, that guy would have scared the crap out of me when I was <laughs> 17 or any other age anyway. You know, I, I, I don't know. Um, I, you know, it was fun at the final tournament scene. They really allowed me the latitude to do a lot of ad-libbing and to just kind of go for it. And, you know, I, I was also, I was bullied a lot as a kid. And I think, uh, thank God I never had a bully like Mike Barnes. But I, I suppose on some level it was a bit of a, an amalgamation of, uh, you know, certain characters that I, I encountered, uh, you know, when I was a kid. Um, probably uh, a little bit of uh, Mr. T from uh, Rocky Three, and I don't know what else. <laughs> a little clubber Yeah, exactly, there, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then shifting gears to A.J. Quatermain, uh doing soap operas and things like that. I've been told from people who have done both genres that soap opera acting is a notch harder than anything else. You've got all the lines to memorize. You're doing a little bit more uh, reaching for certain character aspects, and there's different writers involved. Talk a little bit about working on General Hospital. Well, I'm currently on The Bold and the Beautiful for CBS. Sure, so, yeah, so, yeah. So, but, you know, the so, same thing really applies. It, it's, it's, it's not any different uh, working in daytime. You know, every single medium uh, has different challenges and has different things that are great about it. Um, soap operas move at an incredibly fast pace. Uh, a lot of people don't realize we do about one and a half to one and three quarter shows a day because we have to bank shows. You know, uh, uh, we just, for instance, uh, this month, July, we're off all month. Well, we got to have shows for next July. Right. So, uh, there's a lot of dialogue to learn. You're making emotional choices very quickly. Um, and it is a bit like an assembly line in the sense that, you know, a certain amount of product has to be turned out every week. Yeah. And, and that necessitates working at a certain clip. Um, you know, within that, you're trying to do the very best work that you can do. But, um, you know, there are constraints. One of the things I like the most about doing a film 
you know, you may only shoot four, five, six pages a day. Right. And uh, on an average day in uh, on the Bold and Beautiful, we may shoot 80 pages. Man. It's a lot. And so do you have uh, one of the characters that resonates more with you, Deacon versus AJ? Is there more of you in mm. one of those characters? That's a tough one. Um, you know, look, I suppose there's aspects of me in both of them. I, I really love playing Deacon Sharp. Um, I, I had a lot of great memories playing A.J. Quartermain, but uh, Deacon Sharp, I think, really has been one of the defining roles that I've had in television. And we've had Eric Braden on the show uh, probably about a year ago. Just the gravitas of the man, I, I'd almost be intimidated to work opposite with him. How is he to work with? I, I adore Eric. Um, you know, when I was on Young and the Restless, I had always told myself, if I ever got a chance to work with Eric, I had to take a second and literally kind of pinch myself and realize that, realize that I was working with the best of the best. But that being said, uh, you know, when, when you're working opposite anyone, you need to deal with them as the character, uh, not as anybody who's fanboying. Sure. <laughs> and as much as I love and respect Eric, uh, he would expect nothing less than me bringing 100%. Uh, and that's also what makes him so good. You know, I mean, he, he kind of doesn't ask any quarter and doesn't give any. Do you have, whether you're doing film versus television versus soap opera, is there something you've learned along the way that's helped you in one of, any of those areas more than another? I think the single biggest thing that I've learned is the ability to do a little bit of um, very quick writing and have the ability to change some lines if they're not working uh, is incredibly valuable. You know, there are times that you just need to tweak something just a little bit and it makes all the difference in the scene. And, you know, as a guy that's a writer, I'm always trying to think of, you know, one if not several options that I could use for a line that might be scripted. And and fortunately, I work in a situation on Bold and the Beautiful where where they're incredibly giving in allowing me a little bit of latitude to to put my own personal stamp on the role and I think that's part of what's allowed the character of Deacon to be so successful is that I you know I can I can if something isn't working I'm able to kind of get in there and and you know make the words flow a little better for me personally in improv you mentioned that they, some of these places Absolutely. give you the ability that I love improv as an actor Absolutely. most actors do yeah. Um, yeah. it's just that it's, ability it's, to find the character more yeah it's critical you know um, I, I do stand up comedy uh, I, I think uh, I've studied improv at Second City um, and I think the ability to do some improv is critical you know in soap operas we don't see a lot of humor and for me I'm always trying to insinuate humor into it because human beings use humor all the time we use it when we're happy we use it when we're sad we use it when we're scared and you don't see a lot of that in daytime and so I'm always trying to um, find the the moments of funny when I can do that and I I think my background in in, uh, stand-up comedy and improv really helps with that with stand-up comedy is that something you just is it your cathartic outlet you you do the acting you do the film but then this is where you get to kind of let loose a little bit more when you do the stand-up you know I think the thing that I like about stand-up comedy is the fact that it's in front of a live audience you get that instant yeah. reciprocity yeah. like theater um, ex- exactly like theater which is you know theater and, and stand-up probably what I love the, probably the most fun you know, I, I love film, for instance, because whether it's a you know a piece of garbage or it's a great film, it's a part of the cinematic tapestry in perpetuity. It's yeah. there forever, yeah. right? Television is is disposable. Although now you could argue that with the internet, it's archived somewhere. Sure, yeah. But a film's a film, right? 
but with a film, you're generally shooting, you know, out of sequence. The hours are long. Um, with stand-up comedy, it's like it's it's you and your words, man. It's sink or swim, right? And you know if it's working, and you know if it's not. And it's kind of the same thing with theater. So, like I said, there's you know bringing it all the way around. Different mediums have different things that are, you know, and I don't want to say pluses and minuses, but things I tend to like more yeah, about. Of yeah, so. And I know I don't want to keep you too much longer. I've just got a minute or so left. I was going to ask you when, when you're doing all these things, you're writing, you're cooking, you're doing stand-up. Do you accept take certain parts of your time out of your day to like you organize like I'm gonna set aside this time for writing, I'm gonna set aside this time to work on my stand-up, I'm gonna set aside this time where to learn my lines. I wish I was quite that disciplined. I'm not. I, I do chunk my time. I you know, I, I tend to get up very early, like around five thirty in the morning. Wow. Uh, I get a lot of work done before the rest of the world wakes up. Um, I think it's an amazing time. I talk about this in my book. The, you know, if you can shut out the chaos of the outside world, do a little meditating, silence the monkey chatter set your, your intention and vision for the day. It'll change the trajectory of the day. Um, you know, I, I'm fortunate that I've got a lot of structure in my day because, you know, when I'm filming, that's what I'm doing during the day. It's on the days when I don't, when I have to build the structure in. But uh, trying to do, make sure I get a little bit of everything done. And uh, if people want to get the book, if you're listening right now, we will have a link to it in the show notes at the bottom. Amazon, the best uh, way to yeah, do it? Or? It's, it's on Amazon and Kindle, or if you'd like to get a signed copy, you can get it at wayofthecobra.com. And social media handles, how can people get up and keep up with you? On Instagram, it's sean.canon and at seancanon on Twitter. Sean Canon, it's been a blast. Thanks so much for your time today. I appreciate it. I appreciate, really it. appreciate it. Thank you so much. Make sure you're checking out Cobra Kai Season 5 when it returns on September the 9th. Uh, my thanks again to Sean Kanan for the interview. Want to make sure before we get out of here, we tell you about our premier sponsor, the City of St. Charles, the Greater St. Charles Convention and Visitors Bureau. Longtime listeners will know the website by heart, discoverstcharles.com. And of course, if you want to go out there, have some fun in these waning days of summer as we uh, head into fall season, you can already, we're in September here. It's not going to be long before the leaves start falling and uh, the seasons start changing. Get out and bike ride the Katy Trail, play some Frisbee in Frontier Park. Eat outdoors on the patio at Salt and Smoke. Lots of enjoyment still to be had, and the city of St. Charles offers a lot of great places to enjoy these waning days of summer. Fall is right around the corner, so their big Legends and Lanterns Festival will be gearing up. You can get out there and have some Halloween fun the last three weekends of October. Always something going on. Always some fun to be had. Start your trip, whether you're here locally or from out of town, at the website discoverstcharles.com. That's discoverstcharles.com for an historically good time. My thanks again to my guest, Vanessa Roman, talking about Doubting Tom. Check that out on your streaming platform of choice. Thank you to Sean Kanan, and thank you to all of you for listening. Until next week, my friends. Hey kids, are your parents about to buy you a shiny new toy from Amazon? Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? Well, don't be selfish. Share some of that money with us. Before going on Amazon, make sure to type in bit.ly slash me in the web browser. It will look just like Amazon.com, except it'll say Referral geek to me Radio up top. And then when you check out, a tiny percentage will go to support the show without costing you one cent more. 
So before your parents get you that gizmo, gadget, or widget, make sure they type in bit.ly slash geek to me in the web browser. Bit.ly slash geek to me. Bit.ly slash geek to me.